1: Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Championship Leadership Podcast. This is your host, Nate Bailey, and had a really awesome conversation today with our guest. Before we deep dive into that, make sure you check us out at natebailey.org. Get a copy of my 100-mile mindset. It's free. It's an audiobook. Listen to it in about 90 minutes, so it's nice and short and sweet, but uh, also you can check out all the other episodes that we've had of the Championship Leadership Podcast and everything else that I have going on right there at natebailey.org. So today's guest, Stephen Hoffman, incredible guest. He's had an incredible life, a lot of fun, interesting stories, especially for entrepreneurs, business owners, leaders, just kind of the story on how he's gotten to where he is today. A currently founder of a company called Founder Space to help accelerate startups, which is a very interesting conversation and topic. And uh, we had a lot of fun. So with that, I want to get you to Stephen Hoffman. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Championship Leadership Podcast. And uh, we got Stephen Hoffman with us here today, originally from San Francisco, but currently uh, traveling the country and, and is in Omaha, Nebraska, of all places right now. So thanks for being with us, Stephen.
2: It's fantastic to be here.
1: Absolutely. So I like to ask this question first as we start things off. And I know you said you did some homework, so maybe you already know what's coming, but uh, championship leadership is the name of the podcast. What comes to mind for you or what does championship leadership mean to you when you hear that?
2: Well, the first thing that comes to mind is a breakfast of champions, which is Wheaties. (laughs) Wheaties, Right. (laughs) Yeah. You know, that was their slogan, breakfast of champions, Yep. but championship leadership to me means, you know, how can you be the best Point the way for everybody else to follow. So, what could you do? What, how can you innovate in leadership? How can you improve your leadership skills? I, I have one rule of leadership myself, and that rule is I can always be better. Like, no matter how good I think I am, when I look back in my past, you know, I wasn't that good, and I am always trying to improve. I'm always trying to learn.
1: Well, I think that's you know. To be a great leader, I think that's that's an incredible quality to have is to always have that thought that you can always be better, right? Because yeah, because that's how you um, become champions, right? Yeah, that's exactly. how you exactly. conquer. I that's how you lot win. Champ- non championship leaders that that think they got it figured out, and uh, they're the ones that aren't respected, that are a little bit more insecure, and uh, you know, in the NFL. As I like to talk about, those are the ones that are probably losing every Sunday too. So,
2: <laughs> yes, <laughs> we know the the great champions, the great sports stars, the great athletes. You know, they are always uh, trying to up their
1: game. Yeah, absolutely. Well, why don't we talk a little bit about you and and I'll have you kind of share your story with who you are and kind of the path and the journey that you've been on that that has taken you up to what you do today. Sure. So. I wasn't a born leader.
2: So there are leaders who are born leaders. You know, they are just like, you know, from their time they're in grade school, they're leading everybody. I was an introvert. Like I was, you know, not the kid out there in the front of the pack telling I was the kid in the corner. So how can you become a leader when, you know, you weren't born that way? Well, Mm -hmm. I will tell you, anybody, any of your audience out there who isn't a born leader, you can improve dramatically and you actually have an advantage you could become a better leader than people who are born leaders and i'll tell you why because you learn how to improve yourself like born leaders like a lot of times they think they know they can just do it they don't right. they never had to improve so they kind of they're they're good to start with but when it gets really competitive when you know when you're out of like high school they're not the ones leading the way because right. they never really worked hard at improving themselves and the people from behind that struggled and struggled and struggled to like to figure out how to become a leader they're the ones that pass them up yeah so i could tell you a little about my story a little about my background yeah so i studied electrical computer engineering because my father who was literally a rocket scientist at MIT oh, wow. he was like son computers are the future. So <laughs> I went and studied computers and I thought I was going to be an engineer. But then I had other passions. Like in, when I was all the way, you know, from grade school through high school, I made like 50 movies. I was a very creative person and I wanted to tap that part of me. So when I graduated, instead of taking an engineering job, I applied to the two top film schools in the United States and I got into one of them, USC. And I went to the film school, got because it was like a dream come true, got my master's degree, went to work in Hollywood, uh, quickly worked my way up, became a television development executive. And for me, it didn't really become challenging until later on. So I was a television development executive. That's still sort of a solo role. You know, I was vetting different projects and stuff, okay. but I didn't have to lead a team. Then I, I got an opportunity to go to Japan. And they wanted somebody from Hollywood to come up with ideas for games. And I worked in Sega, which had just surpassed Nintendo at that time. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, yeah. the n- number one it. game company. And I got to work with like Michael Jackson and all. It really cr- crazy, really Great. fun at, in those times, like the 90s. And after that, I decided I want to be an entrepreneur. So I came back to my home area, which is San Francisco Bay Area. And I started uh, my first startup. And, you know, today I run Founders Space, which is a startup accelerator. So I work with lots of startups, but this was my very first time. And again, it was a solo job still. Like I coded everything myself. It was a game. Like I, I was going to make a game and I coded everything myself. I got an artist and stuff, but they were kind of freelancers. We put it out there. It was a big hit. It was called Gazillionaire. It did really well. Oh, we wow. built a series of these games. But the real challenge for me and leadership came next. I did this game company. We did really well. And then I, the internet was coming in, you know, the internet was growing like crazy. I was like, we have to move into the internet. Like I have to start an internet company. So I started it with some friends I had, we got together, we formed this early company. And our idea was to take games, which I was already doing, I was good at and synchronize them to television broadcast. So we wanted to create interactive TV game shows. And we actually had to bootstrap it, like everything, both of my companies, like I was bootstrapping them. So this company, we managed to bootstrap by closing a deal with Viacom, MTV. And at the time, they were launching this music trivia game show with Amit Zappa, Frank Zappa's son. You know, we walked in there, we got that deal, like that launched us, that gave us like 350k. So we were on the road. Now, we had an organization, you know, and we went out and raised venture capital. So like the, the step was to go raise capital. It wasn't easy. It was brutal. It took us an entire year because <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing. Sure. You know, I had no idea. But one thing I think great leaders have, and I'm not saying I great, but I, I do have this quality. Yeah. It is you, you're dogged. Like you commit. Like when you're in, you're all in. Like yeah. nothing is going to stop you. So, you know, raising venture capital is brutal. Like at one point, we had built this whole platform, this interactive TV platform for MTV. And the, the venture capitalists were like, worked out all the terms of an agreement, right? Every yeah. term. And it cost us, we had run up 60,000 in legal fees. That's a lot. But these yeah, right. Silicon Valley lawyers, you know, yeah, they're uh. expensive. Yeah. And we were out running out of cash. And they said, You know, when we're done with the contract, instead of putting in the money, they were like, no, we're going to wait until you launch the first product to make sure it works. We're like, oh, you know, (laughs) but it was only a few months away. Still a few months is a long time. We're like, okay, we're going to do this. So we launched the product. Product is a hit, huge hit on MTV, got like a million users in the early days, just giant. And we go back to them and we say, they knew, see, this is where I wasn't a good leader. They knew we were totally out of money. Like they knew because I, I knew. was honest. Like, I was yeah. like you know, you know uh, we're, we're, yeah. we need the money we need. And then we'd right. been waiting the extra three months. We go in there to sign the deal and they go, okay, we'll invest now. But we want to do it at half the valuation that we committed to, half. Mm. So valuing our company in half. We just launched a big successful product, but I had no other investors. Like I'd made a mistake. Like I didn't, yeah. not really a mistake. I didn't really have any others. Like I was lucky right, to get right. one. <laughs> yeah. And they came back to us and kind of stabbed us in the back. And wow. I had a choice to make, like leading this company. I had a choice. Yep. We could take their money at half the valuation and be thankful that we like had enough to keep the lights on. Or we could say, screw you and walk away. Yeah. Well, I think I made the right choice. I said, screw you. Like, uh,
1: for you. I, I don't want to
2: work it. with I don't want to work with people who are going to, you know, yeah, totally. Just going to stab management. you in the back. Like, what are they yeah. going to do next when they're on our board of directors? Like, you know, yeah. these are not people I want as my partners. Like, right. I don't care if my company goes under, at least I'm going under without you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and not so the problem was it was like right before Christmas, all the venture capital firms shut down over the holidays. They don't even get going into again until, you know, mid February. That's when they Fair. all kind of trickle yeah. back in. Yeah. We were in a world of pain. Like nobody would fund us. Like it was just brutal. Uh-huh. And, <laughs> you know, I had to keep the team going. Like we had, we had 10 people, you know, and it's still small, right? But yep. we'd only raised 350K and we'd spend it all. You know, we had to go to them. This is a real test of leadership. And like, guys, we can't pay you. Like, yeah. but we have a vision. We've done some amazing work. We will raise money for this. Just hold out, yeah. you know? And they had families, they had stuff, you know, but they committed, not a single person left our company. Like everybody stuck with it, but we still had bills like hosting fees and all these other things coming in that we didn't have cash for, but we kept going. So we went through the the holidays, which were the worst holidays (laughs) i ever had. (laughs) It was no fun waiting for these venture capitalists to get done with their darn vacations and come back. Yeah. But I didn't have a network at that time, but I did manage, get through the door, of one company. And the company was called Macromedia. It is now Adobe, like it became Adobe. They had launched a new product called Flash. And when I heard this and I got in the room with them, the president said, look, we will invest in you if you can port your platform to Flash. Can you do that? Absolutely. Like We will do this. Just invest in us. Yeah. And then he goes, well, hold on we can't lead the round. We need a venture capital firm to lead. And I was like, oh, <laughs> don't, don't tell me this. Yeah. And they go, but we will introduce you to some venture firms. So they bring me in to one of the top uh, VC firms on Sand Hill Road, which is where all the VC firms are. And the president actually goes to the meeting with me. And I was like, oh, this just doubles the pressure. Because if the meeting doesn't go well, Right. The president's going to back out. Like they're going to, yeah. if the venture capitalist pokes holes in our business and yeah. doesn't invest, then he's not going to introduce me to anybody else. So yeah. it was right. oh, high on. pressure. <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: yeah. So I sit there. I do not make the mistake of telling him, yeah, we're, you know, a couple of weeks away from just like going totally. under, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we can't even pay our hosting bills and been running on fumes and, you know, our other investors. Back. I didn't tell him any of that, you know? Yeah. I, did, I don't lie. I just like, I focused on what we were doing positive. Yeah, right. Right. We had launched this hit show on MTV. We have this great team, totally committed, you know, all the great things about us. And at the end of the meeting, he's just stone-faced. Like he's stone-faced. He, <laughs> yeah. goes, he goes, excuse me. And he walks out of the room. <laughs> I was like, oh, and I look at the president there and he, he didn't know, like he shrugged his shoulders, but we didn't know why he left. And he comes back like, ten minutes later we're like sitting there a long time and he has a piece of paper and he puts it down on the table and he goes i want to invest in you i don't want to give you 5 million dollars that you asked for i want to give you 7 million dollars uh, at the valuation at our original valuation yeah i was like oh my god you know, <laughs> this is yeah. like a, you know a term sheet on the first pitch and then i started to think you don't just want to take these things for granted because you almost never get a term sheet the first yeah. time you pitch right usually you have to go through a whole process. I was like, what did I do right? And I remembered what I did right. Well, number one was I focused on, you know, all the great things we're doing. But number two, I dropped one line. I said, you know, the president over there of of Adobe Macromedia at the time, he is going to introduce us to other venture capital firms. You know, he is committed to doing this. Dropping that one line made him think, and this is how investors' brains work. If I leave the room, I might not be coming back somebody else might get this deal. And I told him, you're the first one we're pitching. So I kind of led with that without really realizing it. But later I realized, my God, that was brilliant what I said, (laughs) because that's how I got this term. (laughs) But I didn't want to seem overly eager because I knew if I seem overly eager and I needed that money like yesterday, let alone I couldn't wait two months and closing a deal with these lawyers who they don't care. It's not their business. They'll often be really slow nitpicking stuff. I was like, I don't need 7 million. We only asked for five. So- I would have loved $7 million, but I was just like, I don't need it. I go, you know what? I will take $6 million, but only if you can close the deal in two weeks. So I made it <laughs> seem like, like look, I'll take, I'll take more money than I want, less than you want, but you have to close the deal in two weeks. It's like, so I took as a leader, a position of power, right? right. Not as right. a person begging for money, but I, w- I set the term. Like by yep. what? So I countered him with terms that I wanted. Now, the, I would have been happy with seven, but the real thing was the two weeks. I yeah, wanted definitely. that money in two weeks. Right, yes. right. Yep. And he said, yes. He said, yes, absolutely. Boom, he lived up to his word. Two weeks later, we had six million in the bank. We we're off to the races. Like right. that was my first leadership challenge. And then after that, it re- the hard part started because then I had a team. Like we had to scale up. Like we had to hire people. Like this was yeah. our uh, our baby. And when we were uh, scaling up our business, I made a huge mistake. So my engineers who had been under so much pressure and who had been so amazing, like they were like, we can't keep doing this. Like we, it was three, it was literally three engineers like doing yeah. all this work, like wow. working day and night to get this, this whole thing. And they're like, we, and I go, I went to them and I said, look. You can hire as many engineers as you need, like just get them. And they weren't experienced either. They were more hands on engineers. They weren't like managers. They didn't know how to interview people, they didn't know the whole process. So the problem was what I did wrong with these engineers was that they ended up hiring people that weren't at their level. And then they had to train these people. So now they had two jobs, three jobs one hiring, two training. And three, trying to keep our system running like, yeah. and growing. Yeah. And we were signing on other customers, right? So we had to get, you know, and it actually made their life worse. So hiring more people doesn't always solve problems. Yeah. It's better to hire slowly, not too fast, and really vet those people like crazy. Like bring people on who like you sit them in the chair, especially in the position we were, and they can start running. They don't need a lot of handholding. Mm-hmm. Huge mistake. So we got up to like 20 engineers. But we weren't going any faster. In fact, it was like, you know, it was more pressure on those poor three guys than before, you know, trying to get all these engineers organized. (laughs) I should have brought in a professional manager and done it very differently uh, than we did it. That was my first mistake. Second part of leadership is really um, going out there in public, right? And representing your company. And I was still shy. Like I wasn't, you know, an outgoing person. I was a shy guy but I did this thing right. And what I did was say, I don't care how bad I am. I'm just gonna go out. Like (laughs) I'm gonna go out every opportunity I get, not like just whenever I'm forced to, like sometimes you could say, I'll only do it if I'm forced to. It's like every single opportunity I get, I'm gonna go speak in public. I'm gonna go try to sell somebody. I wasn't even a good salesperson. Sure but literally over time you get better. Like (laughs) like I was pretty God awful, but each time I got incrementally better. And today I'm really really good at it. Right. But only because I forced myself. And then I'll conclude on the third thing that, you know, leadership was and really important leadership is listening and understanding the needs of your team. Like what does your team need to succeed? Right. You all need to know where you need to go, but Taking the time to really do this, and I was honestly, I was inexperienced. I'd been doing a lot of different, uh, trying to do a lot of different things at once: selling, speaking, raising more capital, you know, all the hiring, getting offices. I should have literally just focused on one thing as the CEO, and that was like building the best team possible, getting the yeah. best darn people in here, and supporting them a hundred percent. I didn't do that, and you know, we had growing pains because of that great leaders have to take the time to understand what's actually going on in their business. And that means, you know, understanding what's inside your employee's head. How do you get into their head? How do you know that you have to actually spend time listening, not telling them what to do, but listening to the problems they're having, the things that they need to actually be successful. And then as a great leader, you also need to set a very clear direction. I think That is something I did well. Like we Mm -hmm. absolutely knew what our business was and where we were going. And that's why we ended up becoming number one in our industry. But um, at the same time, we had growing pains because we could have done a lot of things better. And what I did is learn from that experience as a leader to focus on team building and knowledge, gaining knowledge so that we as a company can always uh, be utilizing our resources in the best way possible and keep people really focused on their jobs and supported in their roles.
1: Yeah. Well, I think that's, uh, like you said, I mean, everyone has growing pains, right? And we all, uh, we figure things out as we go oftentimes. And I think the important piece, like you said, is that you actually did, you learned from those, you didn't continue to make those same mistakes. And And uh, took that to to continue to grow as a leader. So, yeah, that's awesome.
2: And I'll tell you one more thing that I learned early on you know, you can never fire somebody too soon. So, this is a tough one because, again, I was a shy person. I like it, doesn't matter how much you like the person. That's not the point. The point is, are they right for the role in the company? And if you can move them to another role where they will excel at, great. If you can't, you got to make that decision. I did what so many, people do in management positions and they do wrong is i gave them a second chance i gave them a third chance i i said oh they will improve honestly now the first time i get the feeling that this isn't working out boom yeah i, I make the decision because yeah. i know for myself and i mentor all of these entrepreneurs we bring them into our accelerator you know and i see over and over again they're making the mistakes i made like yeah. they're doing right. the exact <laughs> they have these employees they know they should fire them, but they wait, thinking things yeah. will improve, hoping things will improve, and they almost invariably do not.
1: Right, right. Yeah, that's a great point. And uh, like you said, well, slow be slow to hire and fast to fire is the saying. So yes,
2: that's yeah. really, really critical.
1: Yeah, and it's it, like you say, it's also tough to to do because you know, human emotions get in the way. So. Who is a a championship leader, coach, mentor, or two that have come along in your life? And what are some of the characteristics that have really stood out to you that maybe even you've taken to help kind of mold who you are as a leader?
2: So I've had a number of people in my life who've been very pivotal in uh, helping me grow as a leader. So one of them was a venture capitalist on our board, and he uh, was really good because uh, what he did, he was... A very good leader. And he Mm -hmm. understood that leaders have to make painful decisions. You know, if you're a leader, if you're in a leadership position and you avoid problems, like you don't want, you know, you don't want confrontation, let's say you don't like confrontation, or you don't want to recognize that something isn't working and you hope it will just sort itself out. Those things work against you. Like they are death, you know, Um, hoping a problem will solve itself. Almost never does, right? Yeah. I also learned, uh, and he helped teach me this, that nobody is indispensable. So, and this was in later companies, not that first company. I did several venture funded companies. Later company, I had a company, and one of the team members was an engineer, and he is a classic engineer, and he was antisocial, and he was a real pain to work with, but he was good at his job. He did the product. And the problem was we invested so much in him, he knew the whole platform and nobody else did, like this yeah. one person. And the more he knew and the more power he had, the more he abused that power, like yeah. to right. really make our lives miserable. And we thought, and I was under the illusion that if I got rid of him, our whole system would collapse, like it would because there was nobody else.
1: Yeah.
2: Instead, and so I just let the problem go on. What I should have done, and what I finally ended up doing, it just took me too long, is <laughs> yeah. I found. The right engineer for the role, like this guy that was just brilliant. He was actually a better engineer and and he was really communicative, really good at like teamwork and everything else. And I got rid of that guy and put the new one in night and day. Like I was like, why didn't I do that six months ago? (laughs) Like this, like we've been living with this. And it made all the difference. So nobody is indispensable. You have to remember that, including you. (laughs) You And as a leader, you have to remember that, like, if you're not doing a job well, like if you're not doing something well, like if you're, you know, you're hands-on in marketing and trying to change all that your marketing people are, and you're not a great marketer, you're just screwing things up. Like (laughs) you should fire yourself from that job and focus like great leaders focus on what they're really good at. Right. You know, you, you have your power alley, like what you're really good at put your energy into that. It amplifies it. If you put yeah. your energy into anything, you're not excellent at, you're actually diminishing, you know, your returns and you could be having somebody else who's much better in that role. Yeah. yeah. So um, that self-awareness is hard to come by, like for a lot of people. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, and a lot of us don't want to admit, and, you know, and a lot of us don't even know what we're really good at and what we're not. Yeah. So the final, uh, final thing that I, learned you know in my role in all these startups was don't think you know everything like great yeah. leaders get, are are humble like yeah. in the sense that they get advice they yeah. seek advice and you need to get advice from people outside your organization like yeah. so if you want to be the best leader you can be get the best board of advisors you can get you yeah. know not your board of directors because that's a different relationship you know they have control they're more like partners They're inside your company. You get a board of advisors that is totally divorced from what you're doing, and you use them um, as a mirror to see accurately who you are Mm -hmm. and what is happening in your company. So the most important thing a great leader can do is when you you set up this board of advisors of people you really respect, right? People who, um, who, who give really sound advice and have experience that you don't have. And then you tell them exactly what's going on. All the painful bits of your company, all the worst stuff. You do not keep it to yourself. Like you lay it on the table because only if they know what's really going on can they actually give you the advice. So if you are failing somewhere and you know you're failing, but a lot of people who aren't that great leaders will try to cover it up. Like they'll try to cover up yeah. their failure, even from their board of advisors, you know, because they just they they don't, they're insecure. You have to overcome those insecurities. And actually go to these people, and it will help you too. Like it will help you realize that you can't. These failures don't have to go on. Like they will repeat themselves over and over if you do not go to them exactly. and actually uh, tell them about them and have them help you. You know, see how to fix these problems. So th- I encourage like everybody out there who is um, leading to have that group outside of your business complete, you know, that this objective group that you can go to, not just one person because one person has one idea, you know, you need different points of view and then your job, you don't have to listen to everyone. Like they're not all going to be right. You know, but you need to, um, you need to get these different points of view and then synthesize it and then come up with a a plan of action that you're going to take that will get better results.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I love that. So, founder space, maybe talk just a little bit about that. And in that, let's talk about, you know, because championship leaders have this great vision. And I know you've touched on this a little bit, and they have the courage to take action on it, right? Like the, the great leaders in any industry, I, I, I'm a football fan. So, I'll like a Bill Belichick or Nick Saban, who they're just, they win all the time. And their competition is the best in the world, but yet they still have seem to be able to stay. Ahead of the game, right? Ahead of the competition, because of I believe this great vision that they have that others have a hard time seeing themselves, and they have the courage to take action on that. So uh, maybe with Founder Space and what you're up to there, like what's the vision for you? Maybe even short term, next five years or so.
2: Sure. So, you know, Founder Space, we invest in startups. And we accelerate startups, meaning we give startups the resources they need to grow. We make the right connections for them. We help them raise more venture capital all around the world. We help them enter markets, you know, new markets and access technology. That is what we do. That is our organization. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you were talking about, you know, great coaches, great leaders, you know, who really uh, can lead a team to success. And I'll tell you, there's another trait we haven't touched on, and that is innovation. Like yeah, great right. leaders are like always thinking of new things to do. Mm-hmm. They're not doing what everybody else does. Yeah. Like they are not following the script, yeah, right? Right. you know, everybody else is doing, and they're off experimenting. So I wrote a book on this, it's another book. So, Surviving a Startup just got published by Collins, and that is all about what I've been talking about, kind yeah. of leadership, building a company, raising capital, going through the whole thing, surviving as a startup. Make Elephants Fly is about the process of innovation. You know, your elephant is your big idea. Yeah. How do you get an right. elephant to fly? It's not natural, right? <laughs> How do you do this? You have this vision. You want to get it off the ground. It seems impossible. It, it usually comes down to being innovative. Like if you're going to enter any marketplace, if you're going to stay, you know, you it's never enough to be as good as the competitors. I always say, if you're as good right. as the competitors, you're, you're as good as dead. <laughs> like yeah, absolutely. You, you're not You're not going to win by being just as good as them because I'll tell you, there's some competitors out there that want to be better and they're going to be innovative. They're going to be looking at things you're not looking at. Hmm. They're going to be always self-improving and they're going to end up rocketing ahead of you. So really good leaders uh, have to, you know, how do you innovate in a company? How do you build innovation teams? And I write about this and make elephants fly. Like how does a company build an innovation team? How do you get your employees to innovate? Like, and, and how can you take advantage of new technologies and new processes out there? Fundamentally, you have to, there's one common denominator. You have to build teams in your company, teams that are really open, teams that are really comfortable challenging each other saying, hey, what if we did it differently? Hey, couldn't we improve this and teams that aren't, they aren't backstabbing or insulting or trying to get ahead, but they actually like one another and trust one another. And you Mm -hmm. see this on sports teams. Like, you know, you know, if a team coalesces, like they just come together, they become a powerhouse. Like they're better than any of the individual players, you know, and there could be teams with better players, but this team will just beat them. You know, I was, you know, I was in baseball literally, you know, um, as a kid, I was on like the worst team ever. Like <laughs> we 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 lost every game our first season. Yeah. Every game our second season. We're going into our third season. Like we were the last the previous two seasons, and our coach says, "You know, uh, I'll bring you all to Disneyland if you even make it to the semi championships. Like yeah. <laughs> if you even you know make it part way." Okay, yeah. because he thought the chance was like one in a billion. You know. Right, right. And but because we had been together th- three you know two years before. And all of us stuck together and we all really liked each other and we were all improving. Suddenly everything happened like magic, like boom. Like we weren't, none of us were the best players, but somehow we just became the best team, you know? And we just won game after game after game. And we not only made it to the championship, we won the championship. Like, so (laughs) that shows you that it's the same in a company, right? So trust. Can you trust? Do you have somebody's back? Can you open up to them? This is when people start innovating. Can you challenge orthodoxies? Can you challenge ideas? Can you give your employees, can you as, the, as a manager actually be humble enough to hand over control to them, like to right. let them run with these things, you know, try out these ideas, challenge you uh, and what you might believe. You know, you trust them enough to let them speak up to you, you know, and say, No, I think we should actually do it this way. You create this sort of dynamism in a company and you get that core nucleus going, it it kind of leads to a reaction where you kind of explode. The company does really well. I always say, Great company culture isn't buying a ping pong table, getting a pool table, you know, giving free meals. That's not company culture. You know, great company culture is letting people, giving, people the the chance to, to at their job, do something great. Like feel like they're really accomplishing something. Feel like yeah. they are, they are in this, you know, it's their baby, not just your baby. Right. right? right. They love it. That is company
1: culture. Yeah. That's uh, that's well said for sure. What's uh, that's funny that it's not the ping pong table. <laughs> you see, I just laughed because I see a lot of companies that talk about the culture and then they showed the game room and the ping pong table and everything. i know they all do this and, and you're going to get free meals or yeah, whatever you're yeah, doing yeah, in silicon yeah. valley
2: we get a lot of this yeah. i'm like you don't need these free meals you know people just want a job that's meaningful to them yeah. you know and right. where they really like the other people and they yeah, feel like absolutely. they're contributing yeah, yeah. you 100%. want to keep your employees
1: yeah. that's awesome what's um well as we start to wrap this up this has been this has been awesome it's been fun um what would be one or two things that like if the listeners here today were to implement into their life right now and help move their life forward what would that be so i will always tell people
2: that try new things like expose yourself to new things like there's so many new things in the world you're probably only scratching the surface you don't know what you don't know so literally like if you uh, diversify what you do like you know if you're if you don't know much about psychology go Try to learn something about psychology, because I'll tell you, being a leader, you'll learn a lot. Like, it yeah, doesn't yeah. seem like it it's, pertains to your business, but you can learn an amazing amount about that. Go stu- study something about, you know, new types like nanotechnology, new technologies emerging. Read up on those. Find mm-hmm. out what's happening in those industries. You know, one of these new technologies may be a game changer in your business. Yeah. And there may be something being developed right now that you, you find that's being developed that you can actually employ in your business ahead of all your competitors. Right. Uh, go to new experiences like that open your mind, that challenge you and do stuff outside of your business that really, you know, like Tough mutter you know, where yeah. you challenge yourself oh, yeah. to do Tough mutter You challenge yourself, try to be the best um, physically, mentally, in, in, outside your business, because then you bring that back into your business.
1: Yeah, that's funny. I actually have a, a, a 24 hour physical challenge that I do based on leadership. And so the, instead of Tough mutter they should come to that.
2: <laughs> oh, the, come to that, absolutely. You know, See, yeah, that's what I'm saying. The, yeah. the physical, you know, because when you exceed, when you succeed, or do something you thought was impossible in one area, you suddenly realize you can do that in another area. You know, yeah, so if you're having trouble at work, go push yourself really hard and you know, run a marathon or whatever mm-hmm. it is. Yeah. <laughs> Feel that Definitely. sense of accomplishment. You go back to work you're like, I could do anything. I just yeah. ran a
1: marathon. <laughs> I love that. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, I appreciate it, Stephen. This has been great today. And um, tell us just a little bit more about, you know, how they could find out more about you. And I know you said you get a few books too, that will get linked up uh, to share. Oh yeah. There's anything else so that they can follow you.
2: Yeah. So if you want to get my books or you want to actually, we have tons of information at Mm -hmm. founderspace.com. Just go there. We have lots of videos. We have lots of, uh, you know, all sorts of materials for people who wanna be leaders, wanna be managers, wanna be entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. And I'll give your audience a, a special thing, oh, a special URL okay. uh, for a video. It's called the 10 commandments of raising venture capital. So if you're okay. thinking, if, even if you're just curious about how yeah. to raise venture capital, wanna know the inside tips, go to founderspace.com slash 10, 10. And you, okay. will, you will see the 10 commandments of venture capital. Um, and you can, it's, it's a video that goes through all the basics.
1: Okay. Very good. Yeah. We'll definitely get that linked up for everybody too. That's listening. And, uh, I appreciate you coming in today. Uh, I know, and, uh, can't wait to hear all about this trip that you've taken. Uh, thank you. Yeah, I'm going across the country. Way, I love it. Back home, right? <laughs> yes. I
2: have already done most of it. I'm in Nebraska, heading back to the Bay area, California.
1: Awesome. Well, enjoy that and, uh, travel safe. And thank you so much for being here.
2: Thank you. I loved it.
0: Let's, let's, let's go. Let's, let's, let's go. Let's go. Let's In 05 and 06, I deployed to Kuwait. I used to wait every day for them to say, nature going home. I miss my life, miss my wife. For 15 months, she was all alone.